0: Welcome to season two of Step Monster. I'm Bailey and this is Elise. We're two friends who found each other by chance and haven't looked back since. In this podcast, we talk about the highs and lows of what it's like to truly be a stepmom. Grab a drink and join us for this wild ride. Hello, Step Monsters. Welcome back. We are back from a brief break. We both have had a pretty chaotic couple of months with family events and all sorts of crazy things happening but we are super excited to be back today and today we're going to talk about court and family court in general and sort of pre-decree, post-decree and how to handle certain situations and really where some of the major problems lie within the family court system and how you could potentially navigate that to make sure that you're not getting screwed and that the kids are in the best situation possible. But before we do that, so life update, my stepson, so my youngest stepkid, moved into the dorms at Arizona State University. So I'm officially an empty nester. There are no stepkids in my house, like full-time, part-time, anytime.
1: I can't even imagine that. So like, what were your emotions even before and now? Like, how are you feeling?
0: I mean, it's it's been kind of chaotic like my stepdaughter when we moved her in she's very like organized and wanted like a cute design and really cared about what her dorm room looked like my stepson on the other hand like does not give a shit and we have been asking him like well you know what do you want to put on your walls and what do you what do you want what color bedding do you want and he literally just did not care and so when it came time to like figuring out like who's gonna get what like his does his mom have stuff do we have stuff I was like bugging my husband I'm like hey can you can you message your ex-wife and can you ask her like what kind of stuff does she have what kind of stuff do we need to get and that conversation didn't happen until like five days ago. (laughs) So yesterday was like the day we hit Target we hit Costco we hit all sorts of stores to try to just kind of get all the last minute stuff that he needed and wanted for his dorm room. So it was a chaotic weekend, but then this morning I was excited for him. He was really excited. I was up at like six o'clock this morning, just couldn't fall back asleep and was just on the couch watching TV. And he came down like 20 minutes later. I'm like, what are you doing up so early? And he was like, I don't know. I'm just excited. I couldn't sleep. (laughs) So that was pretty cute. And then last night I asked him, because it was kind of like last meal in the house. So I was like, what do you want for dinner? So he requested my lemon chicken for dinner. So I made that, which was kind of nice for him to just have kind of a last meal. So I don't know. It was, I have mixed emotions. I'm excited for him. He also is just like a very particular human. So my husband and I are like, all right, either it's going to be great and he's going to totally love it, or he's going to fight with his roommates. <laughs> one of one of two extremes is likely going to happen. So how does it work? And not to get
1: like too far off topic, but I'm just curious now. So like your husband took him, did you join? Did his mom go? What, like, how, What does that look like?
0: yeah good question so he's been staying with us because his mom moved in with her significant other recently and all of his stuff was just kind of at our house and so he's been staying with us for the last like month and a half and then we packed him all up and like got everything ready and then this morning we had his mom meet us like kind of – they had like very organized like where you have to drive and like what what entrance you have to take in order to like unload for the dorms. So we were like just sitting on the side of a street waiting for her to kind of pull up behind us and then both cars kind of went into this area together and it's kind of cool. They Like they – They basically corral you, corral all the cars in and they have you open your cars and then they unload everything and put it in these like giant rolling bins and then they take all of your stuff up to the dorm and then you go park and then it's like concierge. It was wild. Um, Super jealous. Like
1: I'm (laughs) sure you remember having to like carry a million boxes and make like four different trips to the car to help your parents to move all your shit.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was very seamless and very easy, but It was weird i had actually i was asking on this um arizona state like parents forum that i'm on on facebook because in the instructions for check-in they say you can only have a maximum of two people helping you move in because there's not a lot of space in the dorms like they're not big but in my head i was like well shit, am i even going to be able to go is it's just going to have to be my husband and his ex-wife going because she has a significant other too. And then my stepdaughter and her boyfriend wanted to come and help too. So there were literally six of us. Thankfully, nobody like counted how many people were there for each person. So there were six of us and we all uh, helped unpack and got his dorm room set up within like 20 minutes. That's the benefit of having so many people. And then we all went out to lunch together. Um, Mom included? Mom included. Okay. love this. So it sounds like you had like
1: a productive
0: but busy... Flipping day today. It was a very busy day. And then, of course, me being like type A, like love to organize and love to rearrange, like I do. As soon as I got home, I was like, okay, I'm going to rearrange this room.
1: <laughs> Good for you. Because the college isn't that far from you. So do you think
0: he'll like come back on the weekends or get homesick at all? I don't know. I mean, he says he wants to go. So his like gaming computer is at his mom's house. And hit, well, she does his laundry when requested. So he is basically saying, I'm going to come home for the weekends, but for my mom to do my laundry, which tells me he doesn't want to come here. He wants to go where his gaming PC is and where his mother will do his laundry. So I'm guessing he won't Be back here very often, but obviously the bed is still there, you know, just in case. But that that leaves like a good question. We have so we have my stepdaughter's room that still has a bed in it, and we have now my stepson's room that still has a queen size bed in it. And we've got just two of us living in a (laughs) five-bedroom house. So we're like, well, they're both moved out. Like my stepdaughter will probably never move back. My stepson might someday, but also we're thinking about moving to Colorado next year. So by next summer for him, which is when they like actually have to move out of the dorms, we probably won't even live in this house anymore. So now I'm like, well, what do I do with his room? I kind of want to turn it into a gym. But then is he going to be offended? Like, I don't know. I, I, there's no right answer here.
1: I bet if you asked him, he would be fine with it. Because you really don't need that many extra beds. And I can't foresee unless it's like a holiday, both of the kids being there at the same time
0: yeah i mean even my stepdaughter she lives with her boyfriend now so she's not really even gonna come home and like spend the night for christmas oh they're adorable i know
1: yeah i still like to sleep in her room when i visit though i just need one bed
0: yeah we we decided (laughs) her room will stay the guest room because it's the bigger of the two rooms and has the nice like walk-in closet and just like a little bit more spacious so that one will keep as the guest room for sure but i kind of want to make his room like i have a peloton i want to move my peloton in there my like weight set and But I'm afraid that he'll be wildly offended.
1: (laughs) I don't picture him as like a worrier or like someone that would care about stuff like that. And plus, he's a boy. So it's probably like as long as I'm in bed, I really don't care.
0: Probably. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm overthinking it as usual. Nothing new here. (laughs) Well, it's day one. You got time. (laughs) It's day one. Yes, plenty of time. But uh, anyway, so thanks for thanks for bearing with me for the life update. I'll make sure to put in the show notes, like, if you don't want to hear a life update, please skip forward to, like, minute eight. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: No, I think it's, like, good information because all of us are going to be there at some point, right? And mm-hmm. it's nice that you guys have a situation where everybody gets along pretty well, but...
0: Hasn't always been that way, though. I'll just throw that out there. It's gotten significantly better over the last, I'll say, three years. Well, that's good. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I think... Just the older they get, the less like stuff there is to argue. Also, when today my husband officially canceled his automatic child support payments, I'm like, hallelujah. Oh my gosh. That's like <laughs> you need to celebrate. So many great things
1: today. So many great things. That's awesome. Well, I envision <laughs> yes. let's do a couple's vacation soon.
0: <laughs> yes, I would absolutely love that. Um. All right, so let's get into the topic that we are actually here to discuss today and that is family court and i know you and i talk a lot about this and i can't even count the number of coaching sessions that i've had and dms that we get and just feedback that we get all the time around how broken the family court system is and if you listen to our one of our last episodes we had a consultant on who frequently consults with like attorneys and with all sorts of people to really help give more of like a psychological perspective on what's happening within the family court system so i I know you had put some show notes together, Elise, and would just love to know from your perspective, like if if you're a stepmom getting into a situation where there's family court involved or there's agreements, disagreements on what needs to happen with the kids, like what, where do you even start to to try to make sure that you're asking the right questions or finding the right information to begin with? So i think
1: and oh my gosh like this topic gives me so much anxiety but there's so many step moms step parents who are dealing with this and when you initially are trying to figure out how to navigate it it's there's a lot right and the unknowns of where's the right information or what's the right strategy to combat it um obviously the first place you go is the internet there's all of these legal forums attorneys trying to market themselves that will post articles, but it's all very general information. And when you're dealing with something that's usually pretty specific to your situation, I think the biggest piece of advice would be that you need to find someone as an attorney that you can go to for support and ask these questions. And Um, Talk about hypotheticals and, well, what's the scenario going to look like if we do X, Y, Z? And what's it going to look like if we have a different strategy? So I think that that's like the biggest part. So we have a lot of stepmoms who reach out to us who, well, my husband doesn't want to spend the money. Or, you know, we don't have the money to fight it. But I think the biggest asset that if you can take the hit and, you know, Possibly recoup later, have someone who is a professional attorney that's in your court that can support you.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I am always surprised by the number of people when they're asking about, you know, a bio mom or whoever not following their agreement. My first question is, well, is it in writing? And I'm always surprised with how often I hear back, well, no, it, there's nothing official. And my eyes always get really big and I'm like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you leave that? I mean, you already know there's conflict in a situation and there's disagreements with what the schedule should be or, you know, who needs to decide what with the kids. So why would you leave that up to chance? To me, that just seems wild. So like you said, I mean, perhaps they can't afford an attorney and that it just is what it is. And you have to try to try to make do with what the situation is in front of you, but man, not having some of that stuff in writing is terrifying to me.
1: Yeah, agreed. And I think if you're in a high conflict situation, which if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely are, it's important to have as much detail in your agreement as possible. So sometimes it's hard to have a crystal ball to say what issues might come up. But I think, again, having an attorney who has dealt with this stuff before We'll make sure that you've got all of your t's and i's you know t's crossed i's dotted when you're doing a formal agreement and also i don't like to call it family court <clears throat> i don't like to call it family court i like to call it the clown show
0: oh <laughs> probably a more appropriate name at this point <laughs> <laughs> so true so let me ask you so i obviously now i'm not in a high conflict situation and i will say out of all the stories, if there's anything this podcast has given me, it's wild perspective because I used to think like, oh my gosh, my situation is so bad. It, and it was really hard in the beginning and there was surely a lot of animosity in the beginning, but now it's it's a lot easier. But I hear all these stories of people who have just crazy, crazy things going on where like the bio mom is trying to manipulate the kid. And, you know, basically pit the parents against each other and put the kid in the middle and trying to be vindictive or trying to pick sides. And in my mind, I'm like, there's got to be something that you could do to try to minimize that, if at all possible, between lawyers or, I don't know, therapists. Do you know of anything or have you heard of anything where if it's very obvious and very clear that a parent is putting a child in a situation like that where they're being manipulated, where they're being told untrue things, where the child is just being pitted against one parent or another. Like, is there anything you can do court-wise to be able to help with that? Not necessarily.
1: And I think, I think the biggest thing is that people who use the court system to manipulate situations or to hurt the other parent. My best piece of advice would be to don't lay down and take it because you don't want to spend the money or you're going to be dealing with it for a decade or you know two decades. So you need to fight initially and fight hard and set the expectation that you're not just going to be steamrolled and let this person do whatever they want to do. because. I think it's setting a really poor expectation and then it just subjects yourself to ongoing persecution through the court system. Also, you know, on the other side of the fence, I say you should find an attorney that you trust, that you can ask questions to, but also be cognizant that people network with each other, right? Attorneys network with parenting coordinators. They network with guardian items. They're constantly in front of these judges and judges have um, biased perceptions of attorneys. So it's very incestuous. So I think that's also like when you're picking, if your attorney says, "Hey, you should use this parenting coordinator," or "You should use this guardian ad litem," or "Here's a therapist, family therapist," I recommend be very cautious and do your own research because they have usually behind the scenes ties with these folks and are networking pretty substantially.
0: That reminds me a lot of like the real estate world with the whole like mortgage broker. Oh, use my lender, use my broker. Very incestuous. My husband and I did that. We bought our condo in Colorado and I will never do that again. I'm like, I Oh my god, that's gonna the perfect go, example. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to go with who I know and who is tried and true and who is trusted and who I've who I've researched, not just who my realtor is recommending. No can do.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I think a lot of people have learned that the hard way. Or maybe don't even see it for what it is, and they're just blindly trusting all these people.
0: That's a good point. I mean, yeah, that's a great point, actually, because when you're in a situation like a lot of blended families are in, you don't know where to turn. You don't know how to research these types of people. You don't know what's good, what's bad, Like who has a great reputation. I mean, I know there's online reviews for pretty much everything these days, but when you're – I mean, that's the whole reason, another great example, why – We ended up going with the lender that we went with when we bought our condo in Colorado is because I was like, all right, tried and true trusted. I don't know any lenders off the top of my hand or off the top of my head that work in Colorado. Turns out we did. We just weren't thinking of him. And so I'm like, all right, great. One expert is recommending another expert. I guess I'll just kind of go with it. And that actually bit me in the butt, not just with our mortgage broker, but also with the contractor that we use for renovations. So across the board, like do your due diligence, right? Like, like you would any other thing. Don't just take people's advice because they're quote-unquote experts. Do your own research. Well, and also, I think
1: you need to keep in mind that people are making money off of you, right? So this is their livelihood. This is their profession. So any decisions that are made like that always, I don't want to say don't trust people, but just be cognizant and make sure that you're thinking of All the things, and just not naively, you know, following along with what someone's telling you, even if they are a professional.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Especially when you have a bio parent, whether it's on the mom's side or the dad's side or whomever, that is potentially scorned and still angry by a divorce situation. And you know that they're going to just drag you back as often as they can because they're angry and they want to try to like get their, get their jabs in. They want to try to get their peace, make sure that their voice is heard. And I can't tell you, I mean, I was even on a, I did a coaching session yesterday and she said they've been back to court seven times in the last eight months. And she said over the most petty, stupid things, she's like, we were one hour late dropping my stepdaughter off because there was traffic that we couldn't control. there was an accident. there was nothing I could do. And she basically tried to use that to say that we're not following the parenting agreement and just like really, really, really petty stuff. and I can't imagine I mean, I know like there's the phrases out there like hell hath no fury, like a woman scorned for a reason <laughs> didn't just get made up for for no reason. So I. Understand that some people feel like this is unfair to them or maybe they didn't see the divorce coming or they're angry, but I wish more people understood the emotional damage that that does just to the entire family, kids included, when you're constantly dragging people back through court, not to mention the financial implications of that. Good God.
1: Well, and that brings me to like two things that come to mind. This is why I call it the clown show because no other... Court In probably the US, I wouldn't say the world, but there's some crazy shit that goes on in the world, um, would entertain petty bullshit like this. Like you can't use the legal system to basically emotionally and financially harass someone and try to cause harm to them outside of the family court system it's like come on at what point do judges just say this is ridiculous and call a spade a spade but they
0: won't that's so wild to me and i'm i'm glad you brought that up because i am thinking back again to some of the dms that we get and some of the conversations we're having where people are telling me like what they get dragged back to court for or like the things that are being discussed in their parenting agreement or all these types of things i'm like wait a minute what you have to put a bedtime in a parenting agreement like are we for real here we have to get like what color clothes the kids can and cannot wear what bedroom decorations they get or don't get like you're right no other court system no other scenario would you be basically arguing over things like that that really should just be something that you can agree on as two adults could you imagine being a family court judge that sounds awful i mean you just have to be
1: just so over the bullshit and go home and be like, these people are fucking crazy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Like, okay. So I had a friend that recently went through a divorce and the piece of like the way that people can try to control you through the legal system and especially family court, like didn't like try to keep her from even dating someone else, which like that has nothing to do with the kids. And most of the time, you know, the petty stuff is stuff that's on like when you have to deal with the kids and ways that you can control someone with clothing or food or just like schedule like stupid bullshit. But then there's the control piece of just things that are like, no, like you can try to say it involves the kids, but it doesn't like I think one thing he said was. Oh, I need to keep the living room pendant because the kids are just going to be devastated if if the feng shui of the room is off. It's like really oh way to use God. your kids. Get out of yeah. here! I'm like <laughs> really. I don't think the kids give a shit about the lighting in the living room.
0: <laughs> Most likely not. <laughs> no, it's just stuff like that.
1: People use their kids in just disgusting ways.
0: Yeah, that's pretty heartbreaking to me. You had just said something and it sparked a question in my mind, and now I lost it. What was it?
1: Well, if you think of it, let me know. So another thing I was reading this article that ABC put out when they talked about some of the issues with the family law court system and they had interviewed this mom. And I thought this was super interesting because I think these attorneys and judges see these like dollar signs and they're like, Oh, okay, here we have a cash cow. Let's keep the crazy crane rolling because we're going to make more money the longer this goes on. And this is what she said. They need to do away with income and expense declarations so that these attorneys and these judges, the courts don't know how much money they have to play with and try to extort those amounts from people. And they wouldn't say exactly who the mother was because she thought there would be backlash from her comments by the judge and like a retaliatory nature, which I'm like, so true. Like there's no other facet of Law that allows such biased behavior and for them to just know all about your financial opportunity, I would say, for them to perfect word extort it from you. Like it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that the whole judgment that's placed based on people's income is bananas to me, generally speaking. Like, I actually have a good friend of mine who's going through a divorce and she doesn't have kids, uh, so she has stepkids, but is divorcing her husband and so thankfully they're in their older stepkids so there's no like need for any sort of agreement because she's a stepmom but the amount of money that she's having to pay her soon to be ex-husband and it's gross based on her gross income not even her net income so she's having to pay him an asinine amount of money and I'm like you what how is that based on gross that's not even money that you ever see in your pocket so you're she's having to pay him what feels like 70% of her entire income for 27 months after their divorce in spousal support for him because he worked part-time job. I'm like, Oh, gross.
1: (laughs) I mean, my best piece of advice is if you don't plan on mooching off of someone before you get married, sign a prenup, have it be fair, do it when you are lovingly amicable, get a freaking prenup, unless you both work I just think people get taken to the freaking ringer, dude. Like you hear so many horror stories of people paying all this money to someone who did nothing to contribute to the marriage and then
0: probably was a big piece of the demise as well. I'm even for prenup, even if you do both work, because you literally never know what could happen in your marriage and you never know... You just never know right and it's never a bad thing to have all of that stuff predetermined ahead of time so that god forbid if the time comes you don't spend years and years and years like arguing through all of it and like I want the peloton you get the rower like all of that stuff just seems so petty and so stupid and I yeah I get it I mean even so another quick story on that so my my husband somehow befriended a homeless guy so he was driving my, my stepdaughter's former car. We had to get our new car to the dealership because it was having issues and the car actually broke down on a freeway ramp. And so he was sitting there waiting for the tow truck. He was there for like two and a half hours and eventually decided he needed to try to move the car to be a little bit further out of the way. And there was a homeless guy standing, like, you know, asking for money on the corner of the freeway ramp. And when my husband started to push the car, the guy ran up and like just started helping him and like helped him push the car and then my husband ended up waiting there with the guy for two hours for the tow truck so they got to talking and like turns out this guy had gone through a super nasty divorce and he like, I don't remember what he said happened with his ex-wife, but he said that she literally took everything. And at some point he was done fighting. He's like, I don't want any of it. I just want to be done. He literally packed up his camping gear and himself and is chose to temporarily be homeless because he was like, the fight is not worth it. Just take everything. Like, I don't even want to, I just want to be done with you. Like she just had just like came home one day and said, like, I don't want to be married to you anymore. And he was just so distraught and like heartbroken by that and yeah I mean had there been a prenup you probably wouldn't have had to give up your house you probably would have been able to keep more and I mean he's sounds like he's getting himself back on his feet like he got a job and you know was looking for a room to rent from someone and it's just an extreme scenario but I feel like that kind of stuff probably happens more often than we think it does. Oh, I'm sure because people just
1: feel defeated. But no, I agree with you. I think prenups just make things easier and you wouldn't have to worry about like who's going to get what. I mean, you could still argue, but there's really not as much arguing that you can do. So it alleviates some of that stuff. But if you're dealing with someone who is controlling and difficult, they're going to find ways to be controlling and difficult regardless. But at least that's one piece that you take away that would potentially give them power and something to focus on.
0: Yeah, totally. I guess I don't know either because I don't think you can include any like child things in a prenup. I mean, in theory, you don't have kids when you get married. You have kids after you get married. So I'm assuming you are still stuck figuring out all sorts of parenting agreement things. But shoot, if you could pre-figure that out. (laughs) You can't do anything as far as child support
1: or what a proposed schedule would look like. So nothing that would be like in a joint parenting agreement. It would be anything that you would argue in a marital settlement agreement so like finances um, 401ks um trust accounts assets that sort of stuff got it yeah yeah because full (sighs) disclosure i have a prenup i was actually pregnant with our son when we did our prenup so Ah. that stuff did come up potentially but yeah you just can't you like you can't pre-plan any of that stuff it's all just financial stuff
0: well for a full disclosure, i also have a prenum (laughs) oh get it girl
1: have we had this conversation before
0: i don't think we have no isn't that funny people don't talk about that stuff but we're happy to share it
1: with strangers across the world right
0: apparently (laughs) my my husband when we when he brought it up initially i was like i don't know how i feel about that but he basically was like listen when i got divorced the first time i had to give away half of my 401k i had to give away half of everything in my savings. He's like, I lost a lot of money. (laughs) And he was like, I don't want to split that again. He's like, if you and I got divorced, God forbid. He's like, what I had already split in half, I would then have to split in half again. So really the only thing our prenup says is like assets that both of us had prior to getting married are untouchable if we ever get divorced. Everything that we acquired while we were together can be split in half. But like, if we had it prior, it, it not non-negotiable.
1: Yeah. Ours is written a little bit differently, but essentially here's the thing with the prenup also, like the longer you're married, the more you really like merge all your stuff. So I think it becomes irrelevant, but, um, yeah, there were certain things that I wanted to make sure solely were mine. To protect and um, it was recommended by a family member of mine and then when my husband and I talked about it he obviously same as your husband had been through a divorce and was like oh my god yes like I'm totally fine doing that so it worked out but I think it's sometimes a tough conversation or it can be if there's one person that's not amenable to doing that
0: yeah yeah I had a she's a good friend of mine I don't think she listens to my podcast because she's not a stepmom but she got married and two weeks before so her now husband makes really good money and they had talked about when they started having kids that she was going to be a stay-at-home mom and two weeks before their wedding he surprised her with prenup that he had already Mm. had drawn up with an attorney and she was like yeah i'm not signing that like you didn't even talk to me about this. And I, it's two weeks before our wedding. Like I I would like to get an attorney to review it. I'm not gonna be able to do that in the next two weeks. What if I wanna make changes? And he was like, if you don't sign this, the wedding's off. And so she was, she's like, no bullshit. Like we'll call your bluff if you're bluffing at all. And she was like, all right, the wedding's off. And I guess like a couple days later, he was like, okay, we can get married. You don't have to sign it. So they're they're married, no, no prenup.
1: I had a friend who her mother-in-law, the day of her wedding, asked her to sign a prenup and yes, the day of her wedding. And she, um, the marriage needless to say, wasn't going great. And she went to an attorney and, um, I don't know why the attorney didn't tell her this if he just didn't want to take the case, but wait, did he, did she sign the prenup on the day of the wedding on the day of the wedding? But like, like your friend, I would have fucking
0: called the bluff of like, no, hell no. Like Also, where was her husband in all of this? You'd be oh, like, hey, dude, your mom's trying to make me sign a prenup? Like, what are we doing? You've you've heard about him. He's he's a garbage person,
1: so mm. <laughs> he would have been no support. But ladies I'm here, and men, I'm here to tell you, if you signed a prenup under duress, it will be thrown out in court really yeah you have to be given the opportunity to have your own legal counsel review it and that's signing it under duress there's like many different ways that that can be finagled so if that's like keeping you from leaving your marriage then
0: I would go talk to an attorney learning opportunities all around today so that is really all we have in terms of just kind of I don't know family courts we kind of veered off a little bit with the whole prenup thing but still court related and still you know agreements related and clearly you and i both think it's an important topic because we both have one and both think that that is just a healthy conversation to have prior to getting married and we would love feedback from all of you on this episode and if you have questions and there's something specifically that we didn't talk about that you want to hear from us please shoot us an email uh, stepmonsterpodcast at gmail.com If you enjoy our podcast, we would always appreciate a review on Spotify or Stitcher or Apple, whatever you listen to us on. Give us a follow. Give us a review. And we are so grateful for all of you. So thank you for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Cheers to more child support payments. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.